Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Thank you. You know, one of the things I'm learning as I work with middle school and high school students, and uh, parents, if you have a teenager, you already know this, is that they are incredibly honest about their thoughts and feelings, right? They will tell you to your face what other people will say, you know, behind your back. And uh, they, they will actually, on, you know, I'll get done with a Wednesday night, and they'll come up and critique my messages a lot of times and tell me where I was boring and that joke wasn't funny, you know, those kind of things. And uh, they'll even, like, a lot of them have told me this, so you don't even know that your kid has told me this, but they'll tell me, like, yeah, my parents make me come here. You know, don't want to be here. Parents make me do it. And so you didn't even know that I know that about some of uh, your students. Um, but one time a kid came up to me and he actually goes, um, yeah, hey, you're getting really out of shape. Said that to me, right? And I go, okay, first of all, ouch. <laughs> Second of all, um, you're not supposed to say that someone's face, right? You know, you say it behind their back like everybody else does, okay? <laughs> They're so incredibly honest. But what I love about their honesty is that it also comes with honest questions. Honest questions. Like, they will ask questions in church even that many of us are afraid to ask. We're afraid that someone's going to judge us or think something of us or assume we should have already had that figured out. And so where a lot of us tend to hold back our questions, they will just ask them. And so every single week, I'm getting questions about all kinds of things that you can't imagine from science and evolution and how that works with scripture and theology. I'll get questions about space and dinosaurs and um, literally, uh, truly everything. And uh, if I were to really, though, narrow down what's one category of question that I get from students, it's really around one idea. And again, they're all over the place, but if I were to really be honest, I, the majority of questions that I get are around this one idea of decisions. It's around their choices. Because for teenagers, they are facing so many massive decisions in front of them that really they feel, and I think it's true, it really impacts the rest of their life. I mean, they're being told at a crazy young age that you have to make all these decisions around who your friends are and who the, the crowd you're going to run with is going to be. You have to figure out if you're going to date and who to date. That's the one they like to ask about a lot. They have to figure out, okay, if I'm going to join certain sports teams or if I join these clubs or what classes do I need to take to get into the colleges that are right for me so that I can know that at like seventh grade because you have to know that now, which is just wild. But they're making all of these choices every day and they feel like if, based on the decisions I make, it's, it's really changing the trajectory of my life. I don't know about you, I don't know what your story is, but for me, I remember being in that seat in high school and it was one of the most nerve-wracking times in my life. It sort of kicked off a battle with anxiety, if I'm being honest, throughout my life because I just felt like I have to make the right decision. I have to make the right choice or else everything in my future could go the direction I don't want it to go. I have to make the right choices on whether or not I do dual enrollment because if I do that, then I can get college credit, but then if, I, if it's too hard, am I gonna fail out of high school? Like I had all of these weighty questions to go, what? do we do with the direction of our lives? Now, for me, what I learned, especially um, as I sort of left teenage years, is that yes, I was asking about decisions and choices, but really there was a question that was at the heart of all of those decisions. There was something else I was really wrestling with, and it was this question. I think it's the question that teens are asking about when they're asking about these choices. They're really asking, how do I get life right? And that's the title of our series. How do I get 
life right. If I have one life, how do I make sure I'm using it to its best? I'm given this life. How do I make sure that I'm where I want to end up? How do I make sure that I'm where I'm supposed to end up? And we're trying to figure out, do I want to get life right? Now, for me, and I don't know what your story has been, but what I realized is that all the anxiety I felt around those decisions didn't go away after my teenage years. And the question of how do I get life right didn't really stop either. I think even as adults, if we were to really be honest, we're still asking this question of, am I getting life right? The, the difference is the choices have changed and the decisions look a little bit differently. In some cases, some of them feel even heavier or weightier because we're going, how do I get life right in finances? How do I get life right in knowing do I rent or do I own or which mortgage to pick out or which loan to take or what the percentage rates are or where to invest? Like we're trying to figure out how do I get life right in an area that can have lasting impact on my family? It's a huge question. Or we're going, how do I get life right? Not just in maybe dating now, but maybe we're thinking about marriage and family and all the, those choices that come with it. And how do I know that I'm getting life right in my relationships? And when it comes to kids and parenting, how do I know I'm getting life right? How are you getting life right with your career? And to, some of us still feel like we're trying to figure out what we're going to be when we grow up. Like, how do we know that we're getting life right? And then for many of us in the room who are Jesus followers, there's sometimes this perceived added weight. Because you're going, how do I know not just that I'm supposed to end up somewhere, that I'm where I'm supposed to be? How do I know that I'm where God wants me to be? Like, what a weighted question. How do I know that every single day of my life and all of my decisions, I'm in the center of God's will? We're trying to figure out how do I get life right? I think that this series over the next several weeks, myself and some other speakers that are going to be up here, I think what we're going to be talking about is crazy helpful, no matter where you fall when it comes to that question. I think Jesus follower or not, I think it's going to be some helpful stuff, because I really think at the end of the day, we are all asking this question, and I think it can be so helpful to figure out now, even if we haven't always gotten life right, how do we maybe start to take ground on getting life right? So a couple of things before we get going. I have some bad news because I know that's why you came to church this morning. So uh, two things of bad news. One, um, I am not on stage because I'm a pro at getting life right. right? I couldn't even say that with a straight face. Um, that is not why I'm up here. The, the other speakers who are going to join me over the next couple of weeks, that is not why we're up here. I wish that was the case. I really wish, like, they brought me in because I'm the pro at this. That would be better for me and for you, right, if that was the case. Um, but that's not what we can offer. In fact, um, uh, right now, I'm asking this question with you in so many areas. I'm asking this question right now in parenting. Um, I have a two-year-old and a seven-month-old, and um, I'm trying to figure out, am I getting parenting right? I have no idea, right? You're going to have to ask me in 20 years, and we'll see, see if anything I'm doing is mattering. Um, right now, I'm just trying to get potty training right. And uh, I don't know how that's going. I think I smell like pee right now, but <laughs> we're trying. So you're not getting pros. None of us are going to stand up here and say we're pros at getting this um, figured out. But what you are going to get is honesty. And what you are going to get is, is maybe a look together as people who are also trying to figure out this question. Um, maybe how we can leverage some things that Jesus says, some things in Scripture that can help us maybe even have some guardrails to the beginning to get life right. Okay? So that's what we're going to talk about. So that's the first thing of bad news. I'm not a pro. Second piece of bad news is um, there are no solutions that I can give you. I'm not going to give you a single solution during this series. I know you're like, why did I get up early and come to this? Um, I can't give you any solutions, and here's why. Um, I wish, again, I wish that was what I could offer you. 
I wish I could, the tagline of the series was three easy steps that this weekend you can fix all of your problems and regret-proof your future. That would be a great tagline to a series. I would be so excited to bring that to you. But you know, that's not how life works. You know, it's not how faith works. You know, it's not how parenting works or relationships work. And any social media influencer that tells you that is how it works, they are just lying for the revenue money. But that's not how it works. So I, I can't give you solutions. We don't have that. But here's what I'm hoping we will expose over these next three weeks. We're going to be talking about principles. Not solutions, but principles. Now, principles are different. Principles, unlike solutions, they're not just a formula you can follow. In fact, you cannot apply a principle to anything. Right? Principles apply to you. Principles are truths about life. Whether you like them or not, whether you agree with them or not, they are just true. They are a principle in how things operate and in life, okay? Can I give you an example from high school, since all of you remember um, everything you learned in high school? Um, does anyone remember Archimedes? Can you raise your hand? All right, just me. Okay, um, there are a couple of you in the room. Um, Archimedes set out, he was a third century Greek mathematician, and he noticed that some things in water floated and others sank. And so he wanted to figure out why. And he wanted to figure out if I can come up with a mathematical equation that can explain this to other people, maybe we can begin to use it or leverage it because it just sort of seemed random. And so what he figured out is a mathematical equation that explained buoyancy. That's why some things float and others sink. He called it Archimedes' principle. Yeah, now you're pretending to be with me. I got it. Um, <laughs> Archimedes' principle. So the thing, don't lose me. He didn't create buoyancy. He didn't create buoyancy. He didn't invent buoyancy. He simply wanted to figure out if I can explain buoyancy with a principle, then people can have the option to leverage this principle for their good, right? So that's what you can do with principles. Two, really two options. You can either leverage a principle because it's true. It exists. There's nothing you can do about it. So with, with Archimedes' principle, you can leverage it for your good. And really society has done that. It's why cruise ships can float right? We figured out what buoyancy is and how to really leverage it for our understanding. And so you can leverage a principle about life or you can ignore it. That's really the only two options. You can ignore Ar Archimedes' principle and go, doesn't apply to me. I don't care. I don't believe in that stuff. I'm just going to sort of ignore that. And you can go jump in the bay and you can learn it for yourself. <laughs> doesn't matter if you believe it or not. A principle is just true. And so that's what I want us to look at. Because principles in life are the same way. With principles, you can leverage a principle for your benefit. It's the truth about life. You can leverage it for your benefit or you can ignore it to your detriment. The only thing you can't do is change it. It just is what it is. You can't change our, our, our principle. You can't change life principles, but you can leverage them for your benefit or just ignore them and hope they go away, and hope they play in your favor, but it might lead to your detriment. So here's why I say all that. The principle we want to anchor this series in, that we're going to be talking a lot about, is one that I think as I say it, it is going to be so, just a warning, it is going to be so incredibly simple and obvious. You're not going to believe that you got up early for this, okay? But I think it's one of the principles that so often we ignore, and if I'm honest, it's a lot of times the reason, because we ignore it, it's the reason why we end up not getting life right. And so it's simply this. Every decision is a direction. Every decision is a direction. And here's what I mean by that. When you make a decision, and you make 35,000 of them every single day, by the way. When you make a decision, you feel like it's an isolated moment. 
You feel like it's a one-time decision. You feel like a decision is neutral. But what you know is that decisions are never neutral. Decisions build. Decisions lead to another decision. And as they build and as they lead to other decisions, eventually you find yourself moving down a path toward a destination. So as you decide, you're actually taking a direction of life. And as you begin to take that direction in life, you begin to end up at different destinations. And some of those are good for us. And others, not so much. And now, here's how I know you know this innately. Whenever, if you've ever ended up somewhere where you didn't want to be, or you just, something happened and it was a negative situation in life, you've probably said something like this. I should have seen it coming. I mean, I should have seen that coming. What you're saying is, my directions were moving in a, my decisions were moving in a direction. They were moving down a path. They were creating something in my life. And in this one moment is not isolated by itself. It is the culmination of other decisions and moments in my life. And had I stopped to see it, I would have seen it coming. Had I stopped to take stock of what was really going on with my decisions, I might have seen it coming. And maybe you're going, maybe other people pointed it out and you just ignored it. Maybe they said, hey, you should really watch this down the road. Or maybe your decisions are leading here and you saw that take place, but you said, yeah, but I'm going to get out eventually. Or I know I'm heading this direction, but there's still time and nothing really bad has happened yet. And so we'll just see how far this goes. I'm really enjoying the thrill. I'm enjoying the dopamine hit. I can just kind of ride this out a little bit longer. Then eventually that habit or that addiction was way too strong for you to ever get out of it. And all of a sudden this direction and this relationship that you knew was kind of toxic and damaging, you just get to a place to where you go, yeah, I should have seen that coming. And had I jumped off sooner, this would have been different. We know this is a truth about our life because we wish that had I just taken stock of where I was at, had I stopped to see the direction that I was going in, maybe I could have done something different. Now, this is not a new idea and it's not just my idea. In fact, this was written about a couple thousands of years ago. And uh, for those few of you who are going, when the heck is this guy going to go to the Bible? This is it. Um, The book of Proverbs is essentially a collection of these principles. The authors want to collect these observations about life, and and really they want observations about life through this lens of God creating all of us, God being for us, God being behind us, and what does it look like to be his representatives and, and even an agent of him on this earth. So what are principles about life that everyone can leverage? But as Christ's followers, we should pay special attention to maybe to realize what is our role with God in this life. And so the Jewish people held really closely to these because of that. They want to figure out in this life, how do I know I need to be where I'm supposed to be and where God wants me to be? And I think many of us are asking those same questions. There's a ton of principles in Proverbs. I would really encourage you, especially even if you've never really read the Bible and you kind of want to get interested in it and look into it, um, it's just really fun. There's a lot, there's somewhat random, it seems like at times. You can sort of hop around and um, there are these sayings about life and some of them um, really apply. You're going to read it and be like, wow, I needed that. Um, Others, you're going to have a a moment of confusion because they're very culturally contexted. Now I'll show you what I uh, mean in just a second. Um, And and some of these, here's, here's one, I'll show you what I mean. This one says in 14.4, if you don't have oxen, at least your barn is clean, right? Great truth about life. All of us who have oxen, I'm sure we understand. Um, His point is that some things are worth the work and you need to do that. So there's principles there, but you might have to sift through some cultural context. Some of it, you're going to be like, I can't believe that was in the Bible. Speaking of, I can't believe that was in the Bible. This next one, again, I just love. No cultural context needed. Um, This is just the truth. They say this in 23.9, don't talk to idiots. They will hate you because you sound smart. (laughs) Some of you just realize why you have tension with a coworker. (laughs) 
You're welcome. That was for free. Um, and then here's this one. Um, this just honest truth. Bad people trip over their own lying lips. Good people don't have a lip problem. Okay? I see you elbowing your neighbors. You got to cut that out. Um, they're just honest truths, right? They're kind of like teenagers. Like they're just going, hey, this is just an observation about life. You get to leverage it or you get to ignore it. But all of these, I think you'd agree, especially the oxen one, we can't change it, all right? They're just truths about life. And so that's what the authors want to sit down to do, not give you encouraging advice. They just want to say, hey, here is a principle. And if you want to live life at its best, if you want to get life right, it would be in your best interest to leverage these for your good. Or you can ignore them, but it might mean your detriment. And so here's the, the principle finally in uh, Proverbs 27, 12 that we're going to hang out at today in really this series. Here's what he says. A prudent person sees danger coming and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. It's really that principle of every decision is a direction. But he's comparing these two people and he's going, some people are prudent. In other words, they're wise. Prudent people, wise people, they learn from their mistakes. Prudent and wise people, they want to be better. Prudent and wise people, they are, they're asking the question, how do I get life right? I think if you're here, if you're watching online, you fall into this category because in some level, you're going, I want to know how I get life right in these areas. So a prudent person, a wise person who wants to get life right, they don't just look at the immediate. They don't just look at the decision. They don't just look at the choice and the consequences and possible rewards. They look down the road. They pay attention to where it's going. They pay attention to what could be up ahead, the possible dangers that they could encounter if they continue to make decisions like this. And then they don't just stop by doing that because I think all of us could do that. Then they make adjustments. If they perceive an issue or a danger or something that would cause harm to them or someone they love or the direction they want to take their life in, they begin to make a course correction and they decide, not so with me. I'm not going to head on that path even though everybody else is, even though it's easiest, even though it's great for the moment and I'm getting the dopamine thrill. I am going to decide to end up somewhere on purpose. And because that's not the destination that I am heading, I am changing, I am course correcting so that I can end up in my desired destination. That's a prudent person. And then he says, and there's the simpleton, which I just think is a great old insult we should bring back, right? It just sounds so personal, simpleton. Um, don't miss this though. Simpletons are not intentionally ending up in a bad place. Simpletons are not, what he's not saying is, yeah, the simple, they just decide to wreck their life and then that's where they end up. That's not what he's saying at all. The simpleton just aren't paying attention. They're not focused on the direction. They're going blindly ahead without realizing that they can stop and take stock at the principle that every decision they're making is carrying them somewhere. That's what makes them so simple. And like, you know, in 10 years of ministry, I have never had someone come up to me and go, yeah, Bradley, my goal for my life is to wreck my life. If I could just burn down all my relationships, really blow up my career, ruin my reputation, make sure no one trusts me and end up isolated alone, like that's really what I'm going after. And no one says that. But yet people end up there because no one ends up there on purpose. They end up there because they're not paying attention. And the author would say, prudent, stop. And they look up ahead. And they know this is the direction they're heading. And if they don't like it, 
they alter it. Simple. They just aren't paying attention. They aren't looking ahead. They're focused on the here, the now, the possible consequence of this one decision, the possible reward of this one moment, and they might end up somewhere that they did not want to be. The author's point is, wouldn't it be great to end up somewhere on purpose? Wouldn't it be great to end up where you wanted to be? Wouldn't it be great to end up where God wanted you to be? It takes looking at the direction that your decisions are heading. Can I be real honest? Um, I feel like over the last couple of years, I've sort of had a wake-up call when it comes to this. And it was really easy, I think, before I had kids to not really focus on the impact of my decisions. And since having my boys, I think it's just caused me to think about this principle a lot more. Because it doesn't feel like they're just my decisions. It feels like my decisions can impact my family and future generations. And for me, you know, I and I have had a lot of these conversations over the last couple of years of really sitting back and looking at my life and our decisions and going, what is best for the long term? And is this decision, even though, and hear me, even if it's not a negative decision, even if it's not bad or wrong or evil, but it's maybe not leading to the best place, then wouldn't it be better to just correct it? Wouldn't it be better just to decide, you know, I, I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know if it's going to head in a horrible spot, but I'm just going to make sure that I'm making decisions that are heading in the right direction for me. And so uh, we just decided to make some of those small changes. And again, they seem so insignificant. Here's one I kind of maybe encourage you on. The changes you might need to make are going to seem so small. And like I said, right now, maybe they're not a big deal. But five years down the road, 10 years, 20 they could change the trajectory of your life and your family. And what seems insignificant now, because you are deciding to be wise, you are deciding to be prudent, you are deciding to stop and look down the path and not just go on blindly, but make some adjustments so that you end up where you want to be and to get life right. I think we owe it to ourselves. So there's really two options of how to apply this principle. There's two things that you can do with it, and it's what we can do with every principle. You can ignore everything I just said. And again, I'm used to working with high school students, so I'm used to that. That's fine. <laughs> you can ignore everything about this principle. You can just keep going, hope that you end up in the right place, hope that doesn't apply to you, hope that's only some people's story, and maybe, maybe you'll end up where you want to be. Or you can do something about it, and you can leverage it. You can't change it, but maybe you can leverage it and maybe you can use this principle to begin to pre-decide where you want to end up in life. And if that's you, if you're going, I think I want to do that, let me just offer this question. It's real simple. This one you can journal about, you can maybe talk with someone about, but it's just this. Do I like the direction my decisions are taking me? Again, crazy simple, but how often do we stop to really ask this? We just sort of make decisions in the moment, but what if we stop to go, do I like the direction that these are heading? And if you don't, here's the good news. You can change it. You can decide if I don't like where I'm headed, I'm going to head in a different direction and begin to make decisions that will follow you in a different direction. Now, even as I say that, I know there are many in the room going, that's great, but that's sort of simple. And that's why this is just week one of the series. Um, you might be going, how do I know? Like, how do I know what direction these are heading in? I'm not really sure yet. Maybe I haven't been down this road. And I don't really know where this is taking me. Um, that's why I think it's super, super important that you find some other people to run this question by. 
I think it's incredibly important that you find a mentor or a trusted friend, maybe even a counselor, and begin to ask them, like vulnerably in your life, and I know this is so difficult, but I'll tell you why I think it's important. If you would just ask someone else, hey, based off of my decisions and based off of where you know I wanna be, is, are these decisions taking me in the right direction? Do you see anything in how I'm operating and how I'm deciding that is going to help me or hurt me get in that direction? And that is an incredibly vulnerable thing to ask, but here's why that's so important. You were not meant to do life alone. You were not meant to do life alone. In fact, not just because you need companionship and, and all those things, those are important, but also because when you are alone, it is so difficult to be blinded by the here and now. It is so difficult to be blinded by maybe your past hurt, by maybe what you've experienced, by someone else who's hurt you and so you're just not really seeing the whole picture. Maybe you're blinded by the, the reward that you're getting. Maybe you're blinded by the thrill or the dopamine that literally is not allowing your brain to think correctly. And so when you invite someone else in to go, I, I don't wanna do life alone. I wanna end up somewhere on purpose. Can you help me? Powerful things can begin to happen there. Powerful things can begin to happen in the life of someone who says, I'm okay being vulnerable. I'm not okay ending up somewhere that I never designed to be. And they bring someone else in. It's why we care so much about community here. I think if you've been here 10 minutes, you know that we talk about getting in groups and getting in classes and not just sitting in rows, but sitting in circles around other people because we really believe, we don't just put this because it looks cool on a banner. We really believe that life is better together. And if you'd be willing in a safe place like this to invite some other people into your story and into your situation, you might have some of the breakthrough that you have been praying for your entire life because someone else can see so clearly. Isn't it so uh, true that sometimes we're the last to see that situation? That we're the last to go, yeah, we didn't see it coming, and all of our friends are going, we saw it coming. And you're like, I didn't see that breakup coming, and all your friends are like, we saw that day one. What are you talking about? When we just decide the destination is more important than the here and now, it frees us up to be willing to talk to people and be honest. And I, I just want you to know, because I mean, this is a safe place for you to struggle with that here. It really is just to figure out faith. If you're not sure what you believe, if you're really unsure where you're even at in life, I, I think you've found a good place with people alongside of you who, who want to help and want to be there for you. And also next week, Jonathan's going to be talking about really some practical applications of this. How do I know what paths I'm on, what paths I don't want to be on, which ones to avoid? And um, if you've never talked with Jonathan Shepard, um, he is like the smartest person you'll ever talk to. And uh, so I'm really excited for him to be up here and to share what he's studying on this. But um, I want to talk to one last group in the room before I close. I want to talk to those in the room who you're coming in not with the question of how do I know I'm getting life right, your question is, um, I know this area of my life is wrong. I know this has fallen apart. I know everything's collapsed in on me. I stayed in this too long. I took one step too far. And now this area of my life has completely collapsed. And my question is not how do I get life right, but like, will life ever be right again? I just wanna say, if that's you, I, I can't pretend to know what your situation is. I, I don't wanna diminish it in any way. But I do know that so often the lie is that there's no hope. And I want you to know that there is. I want you to know that it's not coincidence that you're in, in the room or watching online. In fact, I see it, maybe this is over spiritual. I see it as evidence that God is for you and cares about you. I see it as evidence that God wants to show up in your life and that he's not done with your story. 
I see this evidence that he is okay with the mess that has been created and he wants to help you through it. And listen, I don't know what religious system you grew up in and maybe every mess was just equal to, to shame from God. And I just want you to know that's not how he feels about you. That there is no shame when he looks at you. In fact, he just sees his son because his son died in your place to have everything that he was offered countless second chances, a new life, freedom, a fresh start. That's what God sees in you. He's obsessed with you. He adores you. He's here for you. And the fact that you're hearing this right now shows that he is not done with your story. So you don't give up on your story. And we're going to talk more about some of that in week three, but I just needed you to hear. If the thing you walk out the door with is shame because some of my life has not been right. I hope you hear that that is not the God that we serve. That he is ready to work with you. He, he has hope. He has a life that is right for you. And we're going to help you get there, hopefully. And we're going to do it together. And that's what the next few weeks are going to be about. Let me pray for us. God, I just thank you for every single person in the room or listening online. I thank you for the fact that you are speaking and you are moving right now and it's not even my words, but they feel you in the back of their head and their minds. And God, I thank you that right now you are showing up in evidence that you are for them. That any lie in this space this morning that says God has left or my situation is hopeless would be corrected right now as you just show up in comfort and as you show up in love and as you make your presence known. God, I pray we would sit back and evaluate our decisions just because we know you have the best life for us possible. And you would show us where can we course correct and where can we edit because we want to end up where you want us to end up on purpose. God, I thank you for a church that does this together. I thank you for a church that's okay with the mess. I thank you for a church that's okay with being vulnerable and being open and doing this life together. And God, I just pray we would leverage that and that this morning you would start something life-changing truly in our lives. We love you. It's your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.